Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. No, it's not! Pranica. Huh? No, it's not! What did I do wrong? I'm just uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting into the swing of things because we have to, we have to disagree on this episode. Well, I think one thing that we can agree on, hopefully, is the name of our own show. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I'm Ben Harrison. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> so this is a uh, very special episode. Yeah. The greatest Generation. We landed on the measure of a man square. And uh, the rules of the measure of a man square are that uh, we flip a coin before we do the pod. And then uh, whatever side of the coin we land on, we, we take separate sides of the argument, is this a good episode? And this- so we argue that that side throughout the review. Right, yeah, and this is based on the time that Commander Riker had to argue vehemently against Data's autonomy as a, as a citizen of the Federation, right? Pinocchio is broken. Its strings have been cut. I'm hoping that by the end of this episode, like Riker and Data, you and I will remain friends <laughs> and, and maybe have even engendered a greater respect for yeah. each other. In, no, I doubt it. In taking on this role, we both injure ourselves. <laughs> in uh, in having any respect for you, Ben, I feel like it would be an improvement. Oh, so. bud. <laughs> <laughs> do uh, the rules of this episode merit any further discussion, or do you think we can just uh, decide what heads is and what tails is, flip the coin, and uh, and shove off? Yeah, I feel bad that we don't have our new our new challenge coin yet, because... On our 2018 Greatest Gen Con Tour, we are going to be doing a... We have a new challenge coin in the works, and it actually has a face on one side. Yeah. I'll let people, I'll let people uh, wonder about what face that might be. Uh, I have seen like a digital mock-up of this thing, and it is the greatest thing... Maybe I've actually ever. looked at this coin while wearing a VR headset. Like I've, I've been inside this coin. Oh yeah, and uh, it's spectacular inside and out, Ben. I am more excited about the merch on this tour than I am about most things in life. Like the 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 poster, the coin, uh, some of the other things that we have schemed up. I am really really excited about. I think it would be so much easier if we did the tour and uh, didn't even do a show for it. Just like went to a place, opened up a couple of suitcases and sold merch. Yeah, just h- hang out with everybody, sell the merch, don't entertain them. No need for a lengthy audio and video check uh, before the show starts. Also known as the scariest two hours of my life in any given day. <coughs> yeah, the uh, like we have such a simple show. It's just you and me sitting at a table, drinking a beer and talking about Star Trek. And yet, the the sound check is always like really a ten out of ten on the stress on the stressometer. It's why I'm excited to be bringing out Rob's Rob's Rob's. Yeah, on tour, he's gonna make everything better, right? That's he's the gonna, that's he's the gonna idea. Put, 
soundproof headphones on me and like a blindfold and then stick me backstage so i will experience none of that pre-show stress fuck that you and i are gonna be out eating chicken wings while rob does the whole thing pre-show chicken wings really the best part of touring yeah we we uh we ran the risk when we did our our show in philly last year of doing pre-show oysters (laughs) which really could have backfired badly for the people of philadelphia I love that I think we were on show eight of of the 11 or something. And like, I don't know what filled us with, with oyster confidence, yeah. but we sure had it there. We were brimming with the kind of confidence that we should never have. Given. Especially because like for half the tour, the first half of the tour, I was so paranoid about... Uh, my digestive system that I was basically <laughs> eating only polenta and RX bars for like six days straight. <laughs> and by the time we got to Philadelphia, it was like, sure, I'll I'll slam a dozen oysters with you. Let's do it. Yeah. And uh, they were served in the in the Philadelphia style with a bunch of uh, squeezed cheese on a uh, on a hoagie, right? Yeah, they uh, they they threw them at us like so many batteries. <laughs> So uh, I am I'm fingering my Dustbuster Club coin, uh, yeah. still available on the Max Fun Store, by the way. Yeah, if you if you're uh, if you're a completionist or you just want last year's model, uh, it can be had. And uh, as with all challenge coins that we sell, we are uh, donating a portion of sales to charity, the uh, National Center for Science Education. I'm gonna say uh, heads is the crossed phaser side, and that will indicate the uh, I like this episode position, and I will defend that argument. Well, wait, I, how does this work then? So heads pick is is pro, tails is con. You're gonna flip it once, and it determines which which side I'm on. Yes. Okay. I don't believe there's any right or wrong side of this argument to be on. I think it'll do you be have a, either way. Do you have a side that you would like to be on? It, like, it, are you willing to reveal what your what your true feelings are here ahead of the game, or or what you think would be the most fun to? You to, know what I uh, to get? I, I think that would be a fun thing to disclose right now. I liked the episode. <laughs> did you? I did too, but I think that I would have more fun being con. Okay. All right. Uh, I am now going to flip the coin to tell you what you what side you will be arguing. Okay, so it's heads pro tails con. Yes, uh, I didn't say what tails was. Tails is the backside of this coin. It just says the greatest generation. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna flip, and uh, I'm doing that thing where where my hand is over my other hand. <laughs> I'm about to reveal what side is up. And uh, Tails is the side that's up, Ben. So, oh, man. So I, I got be, what I want, which is not really the point of the game. But <laughs> you, you will be, you'll be arguing uh, to the negative on this episode. Well, uh, I also just want to like set some expectations here. I watched this episode a few days ago uh, at my parents' house, and I wrote notes, which I think I left at my parents' house. So I'm going to be doing this from... From memory and also from having just reread the description on Memory Alpha. I think maybe one of the deepest forms of shame would be to, as, what are you, like a mid-30s person? Yeah. To, to, call, to call your mom <laughs> and ask her 
to, uh, I don't know, like take an iPhone picture of your notes <laughs> about a Star Trek episode for your Star Trek podcast. Well, this is the thing. Send those to you. Like, I definitely, in packing up at, at my parents' house, I was visiting for my dad's 75th birthday, and I was packing up my stuff, and I said, oh, I definitely have to pack those notes because, like... B, I need them, but A, I definitely don't want my parents to find this piece of paper and read it. <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, I am, and was surprised to know that you are still uh, pen and papering your notes for the show. I switched to the notes app after, I think, the sixth season of TNG. I, I still have my Moleskinas full of show notes, but I, I switched to uh, electronic so that I would never leave them anywhere, and they were in the cloud. <laughs> yeah, I I don't feel like I remember things as well if I type them down as when I mm. write them down. Mm. I, don't, I don't know why that is. I always, like, I, I tried to do laptop note-taking in college briefly, and it didn't uh, didn't go well for me. Well, Ben, I think one thing is for sure, and that is uh, there is no right or wrong way to do this show. There is only the wrong way. (laughs) And so uh, in saying that, I will pivot over to Show Actual, in which we talk about and argue about Season 2, Episode 11 of Deep Space Nine, Rivals. Do you realize how incredible this is? Of you don't. And it's introduction of of an El Arian, which is uh, which is the Guinan race, the race of listeners, the Sting race from Star Trek Generations. Yeah, Ben, he's played by Chris Sarandon. You know, I, Chris Sarandon is, don't you? I, I was trying to think if he's been in another Star Trek thing. Uh, Humperdinck from Princess Bride. You promised me that you would never say that name. Is really the brightest star in my memory of of him as an actor. Is he related to Susan Sarandon, noted Bernie bro? Uh, It is here that he met his first wife. So she she kept his last name? They married in 67 and divorced in 79. Damn. Yeah, he's 75 right now. I keep forgetting the show that we're reviewing is very, very old, Ben. (laughs) Uh, This introduces a problem in this episode. A problem... That will persist throughout this episode, which is that this guy is a listener. I offer a sympathetic ear. And uh, the the main other Elorian we know is Guinan, also a listener and also a bartender. The bartender on this show has giant ears, and yet never a mention is made of the Ferengis being potentially also good at listening. I think we have a long, long runway of of building Ferengi alien character development on DS9. I think it could be that that is the truth. We just don't know that at this point in time, Ben. I'm just saying, like, like there's at least a quip to be had, and, and uh, you have to consider that a failure in the script, that they didn't, they didn't work anything like that in. I just think it's cool that we see another El Orion, and I had read in the production notes that uh, Guinan herself was actually supposed to appear in this episode. No shit. But was unavailable. Could you imagine? Damn. I think one of the great regrets, and I don't think that this should be construed as a negative feeling about this episode, but uh, but more of 
more of an overarching thing about Star Trek in general is that there was not enough Whoopi Goldberg slash Guinan yeah. throughout. Well, Whoopi, you know, Star Trek is only so big and Whoopi is much bigger. And, <laughs> and uh, they, you know, they were really at her mercy. So this guy, uh, Mardis Mazur, he has hair magazine hair. <laughs> he really and, does. He's a total like, haircut. Like when you when you go get your haircut at a certain type of place, there is the the magazine full of haircuts. Yeah, like you could only ever find this magazine at a barber shop. They don't sell these at a grocery store or a magazine stand. Like it's a specialty magazine, and this guy's in it. This guy's in it. He's also a a, uh, a pencil on paper drawing in the window of the of the barber shop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he is a little bit uh, like like when you go by a dry cleaner or a uh, or a tailor or something that take on me uh, <laughs> sticker that they put on. Right, he is that guy for sure. He's that guy, and he's talking to this lady. She's uh, she's really spilling her guts about her retirement plan and how you know she's got a line on some asteroids that are just loaded with valuable minerals and that she's gonna put all of her retirement money into buying up a mining concession. You know, widow talk. <laughs> it's uh it's what it's what wids talk about yeah. when they gather. Yeah. <laughs> Wid being what they call each other for short. Yeah, what's up wid? <laughs> That's what they say at the meetings. This has all the feeling of like a cold call that an that an elderly relative gets from a stranger. Like all uh, all Martis Mazur is doing is there listening to this lady spill her guts. But I feel like I can really trust you. It's like I've known you forever. I feel like I could buy a reverse mortgage from you anytime. Yeah, uh, Odo has been creeping. <laughs> He's creeping in the background, and he notices this conversation happen, and he. Straight up goes up to Martis Mazur and like grabs him and takes him to the brig. Yeah, it is hand on shoulder, like quiet, ma'am. This man yeah. does not have your best interest at heart. Odo has has fingered him as a swindler. They have a history, right? And so Mazur uh, gets a uh, gets kind of perp walked. It must be so embarrassing to get arrested on Deep Space Nine because you just have to walk through the station with Odo with his hand on your shoulder. It would be great if uh, Odo turned himself into a squad car <laughs> and like, and an arm came out of that car and then put him inside of himself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we know that Odo can get very small and so presumably he can get very big. Could Odo get... To be the size of a car with Odo driving it? We don't know that now, and I really hope that we find out eventually. Someone wrote me on Twitter and said that I think Odo is hollow. Whoa! And that idea interested me greatly, and it sort of lends credence to the idea of him able to to get much bigger and much smaller if if the volume of his liquid is is like is very thin. Yeah, and he's and he's like an Easter bunny, like a chocolate Easter bunny. I don't have we seen him in the bucket yet? Cuz I feel like that would be like what his actual volume is, right? Whatever right. you know, whatever water level he is he, is 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 Odo like a liter? <laughs> How many liters of Odo are there? <laughs> I want to know all this. 
so far, Deep Space Nine seems unwilling or unable to give us this level of detail about Odo. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's great. See if, uh, well, next time we do Bible study, we'll see if we can find anything about how many leaders of Odo. Right. We cut to, after the break, to what the A story of this episode is. Which is uh, which is the rivalry, the return to the rivalry between O'Brien and Bashir, this time uh, in the form of some rackets ball. But before we, we get to the rackets ball court, we get O'Brien excitedly preparing. I am Chief Miles Edward O'Brien. This is fucking spectacular. And and walking to this racquetball court that he has made with his own bare hands. Adam, this shit is so corny. Like, <laughs> the shot of... Miles Edward O'Brien walking down the hallway doing a bad job of little little tennis serves to himself. Don't you just turn the episode off at this point, Adam? I like O'Brien so much. I just like it when he's happy. <laughs> like he's had very little to be happy about in in two and a half seasons. So knowing how pumped he is, and and also I also like the depiction of a hobby. What are the hobbies that we've seen in Star Trek up until now? There's there's Geordi's model ship building. There's Data's uh, mystery solving. Riker fucking. Yeah. When O'Brien finally gets to his homemade racquetball court, uh, he finds inside Dr. Bashir. Hello, Doctor. Yeah, what a disappointment. Somebody else also wants to play this competitive sport, Miles. Was O'Brien excited to go play with himself? <laughs> He's walking down the hallway, and the camera doesn't doesn't dwell on it, but you, you do see that there's a hand-painted sign that says, O'Brien's Jack Shack. <laughs> the doors whoosh open, and it's, it's like the Jack Shack from Billy Madison sounds coming out of it. <laughs> what was he going to do with that racket? <laughs> 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 the the same thing that you do with the bat from uh, the Fuck Bo Kai program. <laughs> O'Brien's sad to see Bashir, and he gets even sadder when Bashir lists off his myriad uh, racquetball accomplishments to him. Yeah, I thought it was weird that he rattled off half German, half Native American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a hell of a combination. Yeah, and uh, this all serves to tell us, the viewer, that Bashir is very, very good, and O'Brien is just more of a tomato can in the in the boxing parlance. Yeah, and and they also have kind of different uh, different approaches to the game. Like Bashir has like all kinds of kata that he does to get warmed up, but o- O'Brien is like, uh, yeah, I like uh, I enjoy playing. I've never taken a lesson in my life. He has the same amount of skill that uh, Ferris Bueller has on the clarinet. <laughs> it's it's Maori battle dance like, and only it does not intimidate O'Brien at all as much as it sort of annoys him further. Right, and uh, yeah, it turns out that Bashir is not all bluster. It's like he is fucking dominant. He's way better than O'Brien. So uh, that's this is the other thing is like like one of the most well-known adages about tennis is you get better by playing against somebody that's better than you. But O'Brien just butthurt that he has to play against anybody at all. What? O'Brien's the sort of tennis player that likes to uh, play against the serving machine. (laughs) It is very satisfying to just stand there and and hammer back serves from the machine, I guess. So while O'Brien is getting creamed... uh, 
we cut back to uh, Mazur and he's in his cell and he's uh, he has a cellmate that that is in desperate need of a CPAP machine. Yeah. He's got the my father-in-law of cellmates and <laughs> and uh, you know in my father-in-law's case the form this takes is he uh doesn't have any sense of how loud the television is so if mm. if you sleep there you know even if you're down the hall with the window with the door closed the television is just so insanely loud that you can't sleep in this guy's case it is the uh it is the loud snoring and it's the kind of snoring that is arrhythmic and and uh it does sound a little bit like an apnea situation <laughs> yeah it's troubling but it's more annoying than troubling to Mazur, who uh, is forced to wake him up. Pardon me, friend. This guy has, for some reason, has been allowed to go into the jail cell with a device. Yeah, which, a uh, device of unknown origin. <laughs> a device of unknown purpose and origin. Yeah. Which, like, man, like, I got locked up on totally meaningless pretenses <laughs> the time I got locked up. Like, it was... Like, the case was thrown out. It was so meaningless. But it was, like, take the belt, take the shoelaces. Not just because of what I might do with it, but because of what somebody else might do with it, you know? Like, yeah. I sat around in that cell for six hours with no belt and no shoelaces. Did they take your glasses? No. Got, got to keep the glasses. Oh, that's interesting. Why, yeah. why wouldn't they take your glasses? I don't know. Very foolish, because those glasses concealed tiny knives. Well, yeah. I mean, you take the you take the arms off of those glasses. Those are stabbing tools. Yeah, I think that you'd probably it'd probably take enough time to work that into a shank that you're probably processed to uh, central booking by the time you'd you'd be ready for it and they'd have caught you. Was that ever expunged, or is that on your record as a thing? It is not on my record, uh, and I know this because. My wife uh, briefly had a had a job where she could um, where she was like routinely searching people's criminal records and stuff, and she did she like worked up uh, a file on me, and uh, I was I came out squeaky clean. It was great. This is uh, this is when you first started dating. She wanted to do her, <laughs> due, her due diligence. Yeah, I was kind of curious to get my mug shot because I thought that would be a fun thing to have. But uh, oh, that, yeah. that has been expunged as well. Like, there's no mugshot oh, even. Yeah. That would have been great. I should have... I, I, I think I had, like, a six-month window to go get it, and uh, <laughs> I I blew it. It was out in Queens. I wasn't... I didn't, you don't just go to Queens for no reason. <laughs> no. No, you definitely need a specific reason for Queens. Yeah. Golden Cotton. The Cotton. Golden Cotton. This guy shares what is known in the gambling parlance as a bad beat story of his life. <laughs> he, uh, he starts talking about gambling with this thing, starts telling Mazur that his luck has been terrible for a long, long time. He can't seem to win at this, at this game on the device that he's playing. And then uh, he plays it one last time, wins, and then croaks. I won. That's nice. What is the winning here? I mean, this is this seems like playing a slot machine game on your phone. It's like who cares? There's yeah. no there's no upside. 
it felt to me very much like the game from the game. Yeah, it's a it's a Star Trek game that we just have to take their word for it that it's fun and diverting. It seems like he got a little uh, a little mini O when when he won. So it, it looked like there was at least a little bit of like an endorphin hit. Yeah. When he won the thing. I mean, Riker definitely came the first time he played the game. What's the what's it called? Suck disc. Yeah. I don't think it takes much to make Riker come, TBH. <laughs> yeah, this episode starts on dubious pretenses and just keeps taking bad turns, you know? This- but the thing is, like, th- this is not a departure from how Star Trek or Deep Space Nine has worked up until now. Like, they, this is not a show that explains how devices like this work. It, right, it, it, but it could have been. trusts you as a viewer to get its usefulness to the story. And it then... exploits my goodwill as a viewer <laughs> by showing me a bullshit game that does not look fun. Ben, you know uh, you know what reads as very exploitative? <laughs> What's that, Adam? Is the cut to shirtless O'Brien in the next scene, post-racquetball <laughs> match. Just sweaty as hell, sweaty, angry O'Brien. My dad could have wiped the cord with him. A depiction of O'Brien that I wish existed in action figure form, because I would buy the shit out of that. I would make an O'Brien bubble <laughs> out of the collectability of those figures. I heard that uh, I heard that Jaegers are selling at fifty bucks on uh, on eBay. So the the Jaeger bubble has dissipated somewhat, but it is not over. No, not at all. It still exists, and I still have a stack of. I want to say... Most of the world's supply of Jaegers? Most of the world's supply of Jaegers belong to me. Most of them purchased for less than $5. Uh, Another weird choice in this episode, Keiko being nice and supportive to her husband and also them not arguing in this scene? What? Since when? This is a great Keiko episode. And that is not the coin talking. Like, uh, (laughs) I really think she's great in this ep. She is a... a loving, supporting partner to O'Brien. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Well, this is the coin talking, Adam, and I just want to say you can't just you can't just change everything about a character dynamic without some work. This is yeah. lazy writing. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the only scene we'll get between O'Brien and Keiko. I think there's a fair amount of development of their relationship throughout this ep so we'll return to this a little later yeah it's like it's like francis high you know you watch an entire movie of this girl fucking around and and being unsure of how to proceed with her life and then just cut to the end and she's like gotten her shit together and it's like wait a second you just cut to her having her shit together what about like the the <laughs> climax of the movie part you you went right from middle of the movie to denouement. <laughs> I just want to uh, address the viewer right now. This is my camera. I just want to look. I just want to look the viewer right in the eye and say, like, this is the only Star Trek podcast that would draw an equivalence between an episode of Deep Space Nine and Francis Ha. You are such a fucking dork, Ben. Not my favorite of Gerwig's work, but, you know, I think she's great. <laughs> it's a lesser Gerwig? It's minor Gerwig, decidedly. <laughs> uh, back in Cork's bar, I guess... Uh, also, wait a second, though. I have another thing I want to complain about with Gerwig. 
in that uh, in Ladybird. You, you have the floor. Bit you, you with your hand up. Yeah, uh, yeah. You have the floor. Is this my camera? <laughs> Ladybird said it in 2002. She's a senior in high school, which is when I was a senior in high school, and she gets into NYU off the wait list. A thing I did, and then it's attributed to because 9/11 made people not want to go to NYU. So. It's like I've watched an entire movie that's touched me deeply on an emotional level about a young person in Northern California that wants to go live in New York and live the life of an artist despite the financial hardship it will put on her family. And then it just fucking kicks me in the nuts with, ah, you probably didn't get in on merit. It was probably because they couldn't fill enough seats. Fuck you, Greta Gerwig. I think everyone could have guessed you didn't make it into that school on merit. Fuck then. you, Adam. <laughs> what are you, on Gerwig's side? <laughs> yeah, the coin says I'm pro-Gerwig. Yeah, so this episode does this cutesy little thing where it intercuts between <laughs> Keiko and Miles and Dax and Bashir. And, you know, O'Brien is telling Keiko about how... He got creamed and he sucks and he hates how much better Bashir is. And Bashir is telling Dax, like, oh, my God, O'Brien is such a prideful idiot. Like, he would not let this game drop despite the fact that I was crushing his shit. I admired Bashir for his reticence to keep beating up on someone that he's trying to befriend. He Like, the way he puts it to Dax, he's like, I just don't want to humiliate him. I can't just throw the game. Yeah. And yet O'Brien won't leave me alone about it. So like what is he supposed to do? And what's worse is that like O'Brien is someone that Bashir wants to be friends with. And he wants to be friends with him so bad. And it's just a through line to his entire character. Like he wants to love Dax and he wants Dax to love him. He wants to be friends with O'Brien and O'Brien can't stand him. Like who who is friends with Bashir at this point? He's sort of a, a lonely man, and I'm starting to feel sorry for him. The issue with Bashir is that he doesn't know how to relate to people. You know, he's yeah. he he throws his next game with with O'Brien, which O'Brien is as insulted by as he should be. Yeah. But I want to talk about this scene. One of the weirdest things about this scene, which was very distracting for me, is that Bashir is eating like a filet fish sandwich and keeps uh-huh. like looking for sauce to put on it. Like, yeah. none of the sauce at the replimat is uh, is full. Yeah. It's <laughs> such a weird bit of business. Like, we've never seen an identifiable kind of food on this show. It's always like, you know, a bunch of tentacles coming out of a flower pot or something. Like, he's just eating like a a fried fish sandwich, right? I really love the idea that in a perfect future there's still such a thing as a beige plate that's what that's what Bashir's eating like I love it remind me what a a beige plate is it's a thing that we call the appetizer platter which is frequently just all the fried appetizers that a restaurant (laughs) offers all on all on one big plate yeah and we ordered it one time from a from a bar near a music venue and we had never seen anything more beige. Like they didn't even do that thing where there's like a leaf of lettuce where the sauce cup rests on top of. Like it was just beige on a white plate. <laughs> it was striking. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, Bashir, the uh, the medical practitioner on the show, goes for the notoriously unhealthy beige plate. He uh, Lipitor hyposprays himself right after. <laughs> yeah. 
He also like did the the thing of like getting out of a Tinder date by having a friend call and say it's an emergency and you have to go. Yeah, I mean that's that's an excuse that plays in the far future. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pale. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my living state. I don't use the bucket anymore. There's a moment a couple of scenes ago where uh where Mazur attempted to sell the gambling device to Quark and Quark doesn't want it. You're wrong again. You're wrong again. He's still in the cell. He gets released at this point. Are we are we also arguing about Order of the show, Ben? If you're up for it, uh, I would love to because I'm totally right right now. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> Turns out the people that have uh, that lodged the initial complaint against Missouri have declined to press charges, so he just gets sprung, which is weird, right? Like he's arrested and charged, but then just released suddenly. Was he in jail for a week? Was it like a couple hours and then he's just out? The spans of time are totally impossible to wrap your head around. I have the same questions, especially because there is the eventual construction of an entire casino that happens at some point during this ep. Well, Adam, as uh, Captain Philippa Louvois would have said in the episode Measure of a Man, uh, you're required to, uh, to defend your client. And uh, if I get a sense that you're not defending your client with uh, all of the tools available to you, I'll end this trial right now. I'd like to see you try. <laughs> you're, you're complaining about how quickly Mazur was released from prison. Do you think uh, other people had such complaints about how soon you were released <laughs> after after being brought in there? Um, I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know the uh, the one person that didn't get released when we all got uh, sprung. We were we were shooting a music video. The one person that did not get released was the rapper because he had some warrants for unpaid parking tickets. So he had to go spend the night in central booking and then come back the next morning and finish his music video. That's some cold shit right there. Yeah, I was like, man, we're dealing with a hardened criminal, a guy who missed a payment on a parking ticket. Hmm. We're pretty late in our podcast up, so maybe we can move ahead to the to the part where uh, Mazur has opened a casino. Yeah, he he does not sell the device to Quark. He like he uses the device as uh, as like a gambling collateral for for him to gamble for a drink. But then he like sweet talks this lady into opening a casino with him, and uh, and yeah, like th- this this place is. Is popping. It's the it's the hot new spot on the promenade. If I'm this lady, this seems like a great investment because only an idiot could ever lose money on a casino. <laughs> like you'd have to be a fucking dumbass. Yeah, to to have a casino go out of business, like yeah, you'd have to be like a legendarily bad at business idiot. Yeah, yeah. It's a you know the house always wins. That's the them's the rules. The the configuration of this casino is pretty funny to me it's it's just a bunch of purple headed r2d2s <laughs> like around a bar and the rules of this game are the same as they ever were you just touch the ball and then it either glows and makes a fun sound or it does not glow and makes a sad sound this seems to be a little more linked to currency though because You're right like at some point like everybody wins all at once and he's like well shit we have to pay these people now 
Mizur has also gone through a costume change of his own. He's switched into full magician regalia. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of in uh, he's kind of in Vegas magician drag, isn't he? There are references to currency in this room, Ben, that are that our, our viewers of Discovery might be familiar with. The Isik, yeah, as a denomination. I thought that was exciting to hear. Yeah. Is this the only other time Isics come up? Uh, I think this is the only time besides Disco that it ever came up. And I think that's when people think of the greater Star Trek universe. Like, I don't think this is anyone's favorite episode. That's not to say that it's a bad episode at all. Well, we know it's one person's favorite episode. Whoever wrote the second to last episode of Discovery. (laughs) Right. But like the idea that this this piece of throwaway jargon could be taken and used somewhere else, I thought, was was pretty interesting. Good job by Disco. Getting really in the weeds with the references. Yeah. I was really confused in this scene because Rowana, the, the investor in this casino, walks in and she looks so different from how she looked the first time. Right. Did we build the casino and turn this woman into, like, into, uh, you know, an old money fancy lady in... Like, how long did this transition take? That's- I think that's a natural thing that happens whenever someone achieves a little bit of uh, of wealth or success. You, The first thing you do is improve your wardrobe. <laughs> right, but she's she's like, the way they style her is like she's been rich her entire life. Like, it's it's totally absurd. Throughout this episode, Mazur... Uh, also, she gets jealous at him from motorboating one of the uh, waitresses. Like, she should be firing him for sexually harassing her, A. But B, like, since when is their relationship romantic? It should just be business, right? This Dabo girl that he's hired to work the room was actually in Star Trek before. She was one of the fantasy women that Q made appear uh, on Riker's arm. <laughs> really? You remember that? Remember that moment? I don't need your fantasy women. Yeah, she came back, and she's just as hot. She does. She does not have a lot to offer, but what she does is objective beauty. This is a bad time for Rowana to walk in, but uh, Mazur plays it off like it's no big deal. Like, like he's counseling her on, on how to work the room. Neatness counts. Never think it doesn't. You know, she's still got the lease on the building, so it means she's got his nuts in a sling. Like, if... if uh... I mean, they are not at war at this point, but, like, in the civilization parlance, there's, like, a red frowny face next to her <laughs> when, when, you, when she considers her feelings towards Mazur. Yeah, and then I think it's around this point that the uh, that the wid from early on in the app <laughs> comes comes back and she sort of uh, four nineteen scams him. She's like, "Oh yeah, like we got the mining rights. We just need to commission a soils report on the uh, on the asteroids. So uh, I need ten thousand isics, and uh, if you can hook that up, we'll be in business, and I'll pay you back ten x whatever you give me." And uh, he, he, like, gets out a lunch pail full of money, gives it to her, and she's off. In, a, in the least subtle act of foreshadowing of all time. There's a story economy in this, in this episode that I feel like is pretty, pretty bracing in terms of how fast it moves. Uh, 
Cork is upset that the casino is opening up. There's a strange amount of of luck, both good and bad, presenting itself among members of the crew and occupants of Deep Space Nine to the degree that, like, uh, it's being reported at Ops. Like, there are more than the typical number of slips and falls that we normally get on DS9, for example. (laughs) Right. The liability attorneys of the station are, are really kicking into high gear. We're seeing things like Dax fortuitously able to find a file or O'Brien slipping on a ball during a match or Kira like accidentally breaking a computer like bang, bang, bang. These things are happening. Another point where I was was deeply dissatisfied with this episode is Kira has a pratfall, but they choose to let that happen off screen. This is not me agreeing with you, Ben. This is me <laughs> being positive. And my positivity will go in the direction of uh, Nana Visitor. Uh, has great physicality as an actor, they should have shown her do this. Like, you roll out the, the tumbling mat under under her at Ops, and you have her take a fall. I think you got to do that, right? I'm glad you see it my way. I'm glad, you've, I'm glad you're coming over to my side of the coin, Adam. I'm not. That was, that was pro-Nana Visitor. That was not anti-episode. I'm pro-Nana Visitor as well, but I am anti this episode. <laughs> Till the day I die, Adam. For as much time as we spend in the racquetball court, we see very little racquetball. Did you notice this? Yeah, because, you know, unlike Keanu Reeves training for a movie where he has to fight, they don't have six months to actually get good at racquetball. We see more shirtless O'Brien than we do actual racquetball. (laughs) And I was not expecting that ratio. Yeah, because Quark has started to, like, promote this racquetball showdown like yeah like the uh the doctor versus the mechanic the fight of the century two sweaty dudes in a small room swinging rackets around and somehow we're uh asked to believe that the citizens of deep space nine are very excited by this promotion no one at ds9 wants to shell out the 60 strips of latinum for the pay-per-view they want to go to the bar that's going to play it that makes a ton of sense to me. <laughs> who Who is selling the pay-per-view, though? Because I, I would have assumed that that would be Quark, since he's also the promoter. I I think this is... Uh, or maybe he sold this... that right off to some unshrewd businessman, and then... This is on HBO 40 that they're going <laughs> to show this on. Yeah, two people who are bad at racquetball playing racquetball. <laughs> yeah, and so, like, the game is like super one-sided but not on the side that you would have thought yeah o'brien is really murdering bashir here and uh it gets to the point where people are going crazy at quarks uh it's kind of a bloodbath in a way no one's expecting and o'brien looks into the camera much like i like to look into the camera when we record this show and he says we're gonna take a little break cutting the transmission what you can't watch me another complaint i have adam about this episode is that Bashir is in a onesie, and we've seen lots of onesies on Star Trek, but somehow this onesie is, like, entirely free of Nuck. Where's the Nuck? Where is the Nuck? What happened to the Nuck? And if they can make a onesie that is free of Nuck, why are they putting Jake Sisko in a super Nuck forward onesie? 
What is the costume department's dark secret? What the hell are they doing? Is Alexander Siddig binding himself? Is he uh, is he James Gumming in this? Does the white go all the way down? Is it white over where the neck would be? It is silver where the neck would be. The white stops at the nipples, and then there's like a teal stripe, and then it is a uh, super empire waist of silver pant all the way down. I wonder if silver is the secret. Oh, it like it like tricks the eye. Maybe it smooths your contours. <laughs> maybe maybe he's wearing neck spanks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, is that a thing? He's doing he's doing bad, and the way that the the gang on Deep Space Nine discover that uh, probability is out of whack is that O'Brien can throw the the racket ball at any surface, and it'll bounce around infinitely and come right back to his hand. Which is a great camera trick in that. Uh, they just have him hit a ball off screen, and then he holds up his hand, and then someone obviously throws it into his hand. If by great camera trick you mean super lazy camera trick, then I have to agree, Adam. <laughs> I loved it. Hey, you know that scene in, in Alien 4 where where Ripley like goes in and plays basketball with That's Ron Perlman sh- and, and shit, and she like tosses the ball over her head, and it just nothing but net as she walks that out of the room? That's a great fucking callback. That's, that's a, that's a, she really made that shot. Ripley for three. I watched a, a little thing on it and they showed like the, uh, they showed the, you know, the unedited clips of that and Perlman like flips out. And, and I think you can actually see it in the film that Perlman like, do, like does not stay in character when she nails that. Cause they were like, we, we're probably gonna have to do this as an effect, but just throw the ball. How many takes did it take? It was a one The first time. That's, that's a... I believe that's what the what they said in the video, yeah. Wow, that is legendary. Yeah. Sigourney Weaver. Goat. So uh so yeah, they bring Cisco and Dax down to the racquetball court to demonstrate how badly probability is fucked up and Dax is like, Well, all the neutrino all the neutrinos in here are spinning the same way. Therefore, probability is out of whack. And somehow this leads them to Missouri. They totally go like Jesus and the money changers on uh, on this <laughs> casino and just fucking go hog wild in there. Yeah, they uh, they 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 clean out the temple, <laughs> and uh, turns out that 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 wishy washy couple that accused him of a crime before has changed their mind again, and he is rearrested for the crime that he was arrested for at the beginning of the episode. Right, and while he's in the brig, Alcia gets perp-walked into an adjoining brig cell uh, because she has also been a grifter from the start. Yeah, she tried the uh, the mining rights grift on Cork after she tried it on Mazur. This Mazur guy uh, has one last argument with Quark at the end in which Quark comes to the brig to gloat about winning the contest of casinos, which is basically what has happened here. Quark throughout the episode was growing more and more impatient and apoplectic about the neighboring casino across the way. And now he's won. The question of how Quark's business is doing has really been a hot topic in the show lately. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And he really makes his business everyone else's because he even like bitches to Cisco about the legality Right. He he claims to have like the exclusive permit to run gambling concessions on the station. 
I like that at least Deep Space Nine and specifically this show is partly interested in the minutia of business ownership on the station. I just want I want them to go further. I want to know more about how that happens. Me too, which is why I wish they would either, you know, stand on the courage of their convictions and show what the minutia is like or not bring it up at all. Did you like this episode, Ben? No. <laughs> Do you want to tell me why? Because all of the cons are super are super transparent. Like I I was never surprised by somebody being a con artist. I love a con man movie, and uh, it's, it's everybody knows that it's one of my favorite genres of movie, and it's because it's like it's always you're always guessing who is gaming and who is not, you know, who's running a grift on whom, and this episode just cannot get out of its own way in you know revealing who is who is bad from jump like like it is literally like a Nigerian prince email scam level of of transparency. I mean, I don't think it'll surprise you to know that I'm taking the opposite position. What? (laughs) I I didn't convince you. (laughs) I really like the episode, and I think the reason I like it is because uh, frequently I don't like shows that are sceny instead of plotty. This is one of the episodes that is uh, almost entirely sceny, but the reason that I like the ep is because I like those scenes so much. There's really fun O'Brien in the locker room from Rocky moments, like when he gets ready for that, that final confrontation with Bashir that I really liked. There's the whole backstory of like Quark railroading Bashir and O'Brien into the match to begin with because uh, he's giving proceeds to a Bajoran orphanage. There's there's like an underpinning for why things are happening here that I really appreciated. And I thought the performances were good too. Like I think anytime you get you get angry quark, that's good. Anytime you get sweaty, shirtless O'Brien, that's a good thing. I hope we see more of that. And it was a it was a very good Keiko episode, maybe the best Keiko episode that we've gotten. And so for all those reasons together, uh I like the episode. Well, you're wrong, Adam, but uh, do you want to move on to Priority One messages? That's something that we can both agree on. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first Priority One message is for House Mackay. It is from Laurel. And the message goes like this. Ari... Starfleet infiltration via TGG slash TGD. <laughs> I signify I'm of them with thumbs up, hearts, laughing, and sad faces. The chat group yielded vast intel but hard to decipher. I created Jim Shimoda and now they do jumping jacks, not combat training. They are best of humanity. From this day, <laughs> I am Kim Zadi. Sold my armor to Funkadelic. Mokai can fuck off. Plavim too. <laughs> the Raz and Plavim wars really died down for a while, and they are back to hot at this point. That is like the most unintelligible thing we've gotten not from the warm-honeyed bosom in a while. <laughs> yeah, there's also a hot war between the warm-honeyed bosom and and those guys, <laughs> and Team Raz and Team Plavim. Yeah, and also between the hot, the warm-honeyed bosom and making sense. <laughs> Uh, Adam, we have a second Priority One message here. It is from Imogen, and it's for Megan. 
Uh, those are our friends in Australia, right? Oh, yeah. It goes like this. To the greatest sister in the galaxy, Kimo is a bitch, but you are rocking it like a superstar, and I'm going to be here motivating you for the next hundred years because I love you. Wee-oo-wee-oo-wah! <laughs> Uh, I don't think I realized that Megan was fighting something chemo-related. Is that always cancer? I think we're lucky to not know for sure. Yeah. And, uh, it sucks bad, it sounds like. I hope our dumb show is able to give you comfort. Yeah. Um, they, uh, Imogen and Megan have been, have been fun, a fun part of this community from basically the beginning, as far as yeah. I can remember. And, uh... OG viewers of the pod. Yeah, and uh, we uh, are really glad that uh, treatment is getting got. And uh, like Imogen, we'll be we'll be motivating you for the next hundred years. That's right. That's the sentence that you and I have. You won't be able to wiggle out of this like the way you were able to wiggle out of jail. Yeah, it's it, when, when we signed the contract with Max Flynn, it was a lot like signing up to become a Scientologist. <laughs> Except there's no money to be made. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, if you would like to uh, send a priority one message, you can go over to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where a personal message is 100 bucks and a commercial message is 200 bucks. And uh, they help us um, pay the lawyers that are helping us try and get out of this crippling contract. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! Yeah, I think the, the scene that stuck out to me most was Bashir's sauce snatching in the beginning. <laughs> like, I have so many questions about this scene. Like, I feel like the replimat would be a place that, that much like Costco does. The Costco food court has the large format condiment area with like the gallon size jug that you take your food to it and you prepare your food there and then you go back to your seating area. I find it strange that the replimat would have individual bottles on each of the tabletops there. Yeah. And so I, I found Bashir's growing frustration with the empty sauces to be uh, something of a Shimoda for sure. So, <laughs> that to me uh, was great. What about you? I'm going to give it to Quark. Uh, Quark spends much of this episode promoting a big sporting event, which he then televises by having a GoPro up on a wall in a room. <laughs> and he does the play by play himself. Like, he has no staff, he has no like camera crew. And when O'Brien and Bashir decide that they don't want any further part of it. They just can go turn the camera off, and Quark has no recourse there. Like, come on, Quark, be a little better. I think I think what you have to do is get hollow Jim Lampley and hollow Larry Merchant to do the call on this. <laughs> they have the technology. Yeah. Get with it. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. 
And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What do we have coming up on the next step, Ben? A, a, a uh, an app that we may or may not be doing a Cork's Bar style because that oh, yeah. square is only two squares away from us. We are dangerously close to Cork's Bar. Well, the next episode is season two, episode 12, The Alternate. Odo's mentor arrives on Deep Space Nine, intent on resuming his search for Odo's true origin. And then uh, what does Netflix have to say about that? <laughs> well, Adam, you'll be delighted to learn that... Uh, as far as Netflix is concerned, 
The next episode is episode 12. Dr. Mora Pole arrives on Deep Space Nine with the announcement that he may have a clue to Odo's origins. A rare meeting of the minds between the capsule writers at Amazon and Netflix. Hmm. Pretty exciting stuff. Uh, this has been a this has been Odo's uh, big storyline. This is a this is a myth arc for for Odo. Looks like I'm interested in getting back into this storyline. Mm-hmm. I think they I think they do a good job. Maybe every eight ish episodes of of touching this again. Yeah, and I think that's the right rate too. <laughs> like like they're very yeah. they're very uh, intentionally. Slow rolling this. If the cigarette a, a smoking man is in every episode, it just gets a little tiresome. <laughs> That's right. Okay, Adam, do you want to uh, you want to open up our game board, the game of buttholes, the will of the prophets, and uh, see what fate has in store for us? Has has uh, the laws of probability been altered? You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Uh, right now, we are on square number thirty-four. Thirty-four. And uh, I am now going to roll the die. And uh, it is a one. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. (laughs) It is a one. It moves us to square 35. uh, And it is one square closer to a Quark's Bar episode. Wow. Well, I am really glad that we didn't land on 36 because I have a hangover today. (laughs) Oh, I couldn't tell. Oh, that's I mean, other than other than you being irritated and negative throughout the last episode, uh, I'm a slave was... to the coin, Adam. The coin told me to do that. <laughs> well, great. Uh, I'm looking forward to that episode, Ben. Well, uh, normal style it shall be. In the meantime, uh, you can let us know which of us uh, carried the day with the most persuasive argument uh, all over the social medias. There's Reddit. There's a Facebook group. There's the greatest gen hashtag on Twitter where Adam is at Cut for Time and I'm at Benjamin R A H R. I'm gonna say that uh, if if Ben's arguments were more persuasive to you, maybe uh, maybe you can use hashtag negative Ben. <laughs> and, if, and if my if my arguments spoke to you in a in a more deep in a deeper way, you could use hashtag positive Adam. I'm positive that you're a, an idiot, Adam, and uh, we'll see more of that on next week's episode. Uh, we should thank Dark Materia for our theme music and Adam Ragusea for all of the other music, including most of the theme music now that you hear on the show. And our viewers that go to MaximumFun.org slash donate and help produ- produce the show out of the kindness of their own hearts. More tour dates are coming out uh, by the week, I would say, if you're interested in seeing us do this live, and why wouldn't you? It's a, it's a glorious shit show of <laughs> dick jokes and Star Trek and our dumb faces. Uh, I would encourage you to go to greatestgencon.com uh, and find out where we're going to be uh, for the rest of the year. More dates being uh, announced all the time, and uh, we look forward to seeing you out on the road. Yeah. With that being said, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And another episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, which could be uh, swapped out for any other episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, probably, (laughs) without being noticed.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.